0: Amen, amen. Well, you know what? This morning, we're going to jump into the Word of God. I'm excited for what the Lord wants to share with us today. I was sitting in my brown chair yesterday, and I'm hooping, hollering, laughing, crying. I'm a big mess in my chair, so today I'm excited to bring the Word to you. And uh, let's begin right away in 1 John chapter 5. We're going to start right here. And uh, we're going to just find out what God has done, how He sees us. And we're going we're gonna to stay filled this morning. First John chapter five it says this, "Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah is not one day, but you is. Say I, is. I <laughs> is. You is what? You is a spiritual child and you've been fathered by God himself. So who's your daddy? God is my dad. And then he says, "And everyone who loves Father God loves his children as well. Verse two, this is how. We can be sure that we love the that we this is how we can be sure that we love the children of God by having a passionate love for God and by obedience to his commands. Yeah. True love for God is this: not just saying, I love God. That doesn't cut it. What does he say? True love for God means obeying his commands or obeying his word. Yeah. Just to say I love God doesn't mean a thing. So what how do we prove that we love God? By obeying what he said. Right? And again, his commands don't weigh us down as heavy burdens. Verse 4, you see every child of God. Can you say that? Every child of God. That includes those that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Right? There's two families on this earth. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of Satan. Your daddy is one of those. You don't just survive and I'm in the middle. You are either in one family or the other. Well, how do you get into the family of God? Because we were all born into the family of Satan right? But we had to, Jesus said these words, you have to be born again. Well, then, you know, in John chapter three, how am I supposed to get back into my mama's womb? That's impossible. Look at the size of me. Look, I'm bigger than her. How is this going to work out? He's not talking about a natural rebirth. He's talking about a spiritual rebirth. And so what Jesus did on the cross really is your and my rebirthing on the inside. And so when you confess and acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you have been taken out of the kingdom of darkness. Your daddy is no longer Satan. And you've been brought into the kingdom of God's dear son. And you have been fathered by God himself. We could say we had church this morning and just go, home a, that's my dad. And then not only that, he doesn't just say that, but he says, now our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. So first of all, I missed the first part. You see, every child of God overcomes this world. So say this with me. I am a world overcomer. Well, I don't see it. No, 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 don't. He's not asking if you agree with it. Just believe it because it's so right? That's what he's telling you and I just agree with God. And then in case we didn't get it, verse five, I'm so glad John wrote it out here. So he says, so who are the world over world conquerors defeating its power? Those who believe that Jesus is the son of God. So a quick question you can ask yourself, do I believe that Jesus is the son of God? Yes. Well, what does that make me? A world conqueror defeating its power. That's who I am. So say it. that's me. You just found yourself in the Bible. A lot of times you got to find yourself in the Scripture. That's me right there. Who am I? A world overcomer. The world and its power will never defeat me, will never overtake me. Why? Because I'm a child of the Most High God. Hail. Okay. Now, again, this has to be our image. This is something that we have to see and say, simply go, Lord, I believe this regardless of how I feel or what it looks like. This is who I am. And the devil does not want a church that can see this. This is who we are. Okay, now going on, go to Ephesians chapter one. And again, I want just to see where do we operate from. Again, scriptures that you've heard and you know. But again, how do we grow? How do we develop in these? You know, repetition is the motor for learning. You keep going over it. You keep meditating on it. You keep thinking on it. And this is what we're doing again with this prayer. This is the prayer that the Apostle Paul will really, the Spirit of God gave the Apostle Paul to pray for the church. And I encourage you every single day, pray this over yourself. Thank you for the three uh-huhs. What are we praying? God, I'm asking you. You're the father of my Lord Jesus Christ. You are the father. Man, he's the father. You're the father of glory. I'm asking you that you would give to me. Say it. Give to me, God. To me. What do I want? A spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Then he says, the eyes of my heart or the eyes of my understanding would be flooded with light or be enlightened on the inside. Why? So that I would know, number one, what is the hope of my calling. I need a spirit of wisdom and revelation to see that. I can't find out what I'm called to do on this planet. I need to see it and it's, I need to be enlightened on the inside. Secondly, now, what else does he want us to see now that we're enlightened on the inside? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance where? in the saints, in me. Like what Pastor Marlene was sharing, healing is not somewhere out there. It's already here. All the power of God, it's already here. So he's saying, we got to wake up to it. And lastly, he says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? What kind of power was it? The same mighty power, verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Where is he seated? Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age and in this world, but also in the one which is to come. Take that, devil. And what else? And then he put all things under his feet. And made him to be the head over all things for the benefit or all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills in all and all. Now look at this chapter 2, verse 1. And it says, and you, and you what? Everything we just read, and he made you alive. When we were dead in our trespasses and sins, in which we once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. He says, among whom also we also conducted ourselves, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Verse four, but God so rich in mercy because of his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, what did he do? He made us alive together with Christ for by grace you have been saved. And now notice this is where we're operating from. And he has raised us up together and made us. He's going to make you. He made you sit with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now that throne, that seat, all of the universe is centered around that position. And where are you and I? We are seated there with him. So God has called us not just to operate from this natural world. He's actually called us and elevated us to such a place seated with him at his right hand because of, again, of his death, burial, and resurrection. You don't get this by your works. You don't get this by praying harder. You got it by believing in Jesus. He sets you down. And now, you know, if you read the book of Ephesians, you know, if you just read all the chapters, there six chapters. Chapter four, verse one talks about leading a life worthy of the divine call. Well, we think of the divine call as, well, my divine call is I'm a plumber. That's not your divine call. Who are you first? You are a child of God seated with him at his right hand. That is your divine call is first to operate from this place. Well, what do I do in this place? You rule and you reign. You tell the devil what he can't do. You can't touch my family, you can't touch my business, you can't touch my finances, stay away. So notice, we're not praying up to God from this position, oh God, please do something. We are now seated with him, and we look down and say, devil, hands off, hands off, hands off, back off, back off, back off. That's our position. So now we're seated with him, and now look at this in Romans 5.17. This is just to tie-in, who you are, world overcomer, where I'm seated, at his right hand. And what he's called me to do from that seat, Romans 5.17. So those are good right verses right there that you can just think on all week and just have a glorious time with the Lord. And what did he say here? Because of one man, talking about Adam, his trespass, his sin, his lapse or offense, death reigned through that one man. Much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace. Who did that? No, who has received God's overflowing grace? I don't know. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's his overflowing grace. That's where it all begins. Jesus is grace. You've received him. You opened yourself up to him. Now he says, when you've received that, God's overflowing grace and the free gift of righteousness, putting you into right standing with himself, what are you going to do? Reign. Come on, say it with me. Reign. Come on, one more time. Reign. As what? As kings in this life through this one man, Jesus Christ. So what are we in Canada for? To reign. What are you on this earth for? To reign. You are not a natural human being looking for a spiritual experience. You are a spiritual being temporarily sent here for a natural human existence. When we get that into our thinking, it looks a whole lot different. The frame, the lens that you look through looks a lot clearer. It's a lot more powerful. It's a lot more fun than just going, well, I hope I can feel something today in worship. It's not about that. It's about what are you releasing because of who you are and what you've been given. All right. Now, going on from this place. So now we've learned all of these things. We hear what Jesus did, who he calls us, how he's elevated us, how we operate. Now, what we've been talking about the last three weeks is understanding and learning proper table manners. Okay, anybody do table manners with their children? Please say yes, because it's very much important. You know, the don't smuck, right? Just chew with your mouth closed would be great. Sit at the table when we're eating, sit. Don't fart, just sit. If you do run away or hold it in, I don't care. You don't do it at this table. Any, is this just my family or is this just, okay. There's another hand. Thank you for that brave hand. Okay, thank you. (laughs) So we're learning these table manners. Well, the same way, you've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness, which is a losing kingdom, and you've been placed into the kingdom of God's dear son, which is a victorious family. We've got to learn proper table manners. The Father, you know, in Psalm chapter 23, it even talks about, you prepare before me in the presence of my enemies. You set a table before me amongst it. So we've got to learn how to operate from the table. There's proper table etiquette. So don't get frustrated if you're going like, I'm not seeing this thing working. Stay at the table. We're all growing. We're all learning these things. There is so much more that I got to learn in this. It's not even funny. But I'm excited just to, hey okay, God, keep opening myself up to him. Lord, teach me, how, how, does, how do I operate here, right? All of a sudden, when a bad situation comes your way and you start getting pouty and whining, the Lord, if you allow him, will correct you on the inside and say, oh, whoa, 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 at the table, we don't sound like that. Oh, okay, and rather than, oh, man, I'm just no good. No, 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 just go, thanks, Dad. Okay, I'll, what do we sound like? Oh, thankfulness. Okay, yeah, okay, Lord, I want to thank you for this day. And you just start Learning to function from the table, right? The worst thing that you could do is just say, well, this is too hard. I'm just going to the other table. There's only other tables, the losing table. And God didn't call you to be a loser. He called you to be a chooser. (laughs) Winning is up to you, but I'm going to stay at this table. So again, table manners, what we talked about the prior, prior weeks was, how do I release now the spiritual authority that I've been given? What does it sound like at this table? It sounds like thanksgiving. People kind of go, well, what's the whole point of Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving is really a weapon. It's very powerful and it opens you up to the presence of God. What else? How do we fight at this table? Do we throw food at each other? Depends on the night and depends on the meal. (laughs) If it's chicken pot pie at our house, dear Lord, my, my family, we don't do that because... Two out of four kids or three out of four kids hate the smell. They'll run into the other room because of the smell. So how do we fight at this table? We fight through praise. Okay? We're learning how to operate. And now what we talked to a little bit of last week is now how do we, how has our mindset shifted from the, really, we come to this place of we are not here to beg at the table. Oh, God, would you please just help me? We're here to command the finished works of what he's already done begging doesn't work at the table whining doesn't work at the table so we've got to learn it because what happens whining is it kind of fun it feels good it feels real fleshy therefore there's got some oh it feels nice just to whine once in a while anybody else enjoy it just it feels good just to whine a little bit but at the end it doesn't help and it doesn't cause you to live in the victorious state that god has called you to live in so what do we do we're here to command and to enforce the finished works of jesus on darkness Or on what the enemy's trying to do. So we're going to continue on a little bit with that. Again, from this little situation, we're going to talk about commanding a little bit again. But from this table, I want to just define for us again the difference between begging and commanding. Begging is this. is someone who isn't aware that the responsibility to enforce the power of God is in their control. So their mindset is, it's in God's hands. God is in control. Whatever happens, just happens. Sounds good, sounds churchy, but it's absolutely dangerous to be saying those words because that's not how this table functions. On the other hand now, the victorious or those that are commanding, what is the, what do I, let me define that for you. It's someone who is conscious of the power and the authority that God has given them and they will enforce it on darkness. So their mindset is this, that the power of God isn't in heaven, it's in me. He gave me the authority. And I want to just lay this out for us again. I want you to see that you have been given the authority. Say I it, I got it. So if I have it, Jesus doesn't. On this earth, He gave it to the children of men. On this earth, who has authority? Jesus or you? Me. me. Okay, so again, let's look at these very familiar passages, but I want you to see from all the different gospels what Jesus said just before he left his disciples and went back to heaven. Matthew chapter 28, again, I'll start here. It says, Jesus came close to them and he said, all authority, how much? We've got to get this, all of it, every percentage of it. If you could put a percentage on authority, Jesus has 100% of it, he's saying right here, of the universe has been given to me. Then he says in verse 19, now wherever you go, what did he just do? He absolutely stripped the enemy of all the authority and says, I got it all. Here it is. Devil's got none. I have it all. Now he says, wherever you go, make disciples Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I've commanded to you and never forget that I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So, what's Jesus saying? What I began on this earth, I'm now giving it to you to continue the work. So continue. Again, you could read some of these scriptures, John fourteen twelve, and go, well, Jesus didn't really mean John fourteen twelve, where he said that the works that I've done, greater works will you do and even greater, or the same works that you'll do and even greater because I go to my father. We kind of just go, yeah, that's, that's really cool. That sounds good, but it's only for a select few. No, that's for you and I. He told us, well, how can we do that if we don't have the authority that he operated in this earth with? Okay, now look at how Mark's gospel says it. Mark chapter 16 says it like this. And again, he said unto them, as you go, say it, as I go. go. Okay, what does that mean? Again, it's in reference to the authority. There's a transfer that's taken place. Now, don't let this message, you may have heard, heard, I've heard that, grasp this. I've heard this all my life and it's finally clicking. He said, as you go, as I go, not as he goes, okay, God, where do you want me to go? As you go. He's going to go with me. As you go into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel, not the bad news of hell. The good news. There's a difference. Turn or burn doesn't cause people to turn. They get annoyed. And so what's the message of the church? Good news. What's, well, that's why our church is a celebration. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. That's an encouragement. Get up. Get up. Look what he did. Look what he did. We're free. We're free. Not if you don't, you're going to hell. Huh, I don't like you. You're a jerk. It don't work that way. That's why he's saying preach the wonderful news. Verse 16. Now look at this. Whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved. And whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. Now here's it. Verse 17. He's talking to you. He's talking to impact today. These miracle signs will accompany those who believe. Other translations say who believe in my name. So again, I have to ask this question. How many of you and I believe in the name of Jesus? Okay, I want you to see these miracle signs, they accompany you. Like when you leave to go somewhere, what's accompanying you? Your wallet, your phone, your keys, maybe eight children, whatever you got. They're accompanying you wherever you're going. So you take with you. Right? They're accompanying. Well, look at this. These miracle signs are going to come with you wherever you go. Look at the first sign. They will. Here's the first thing that's coming with me. Ready? Got it under your shoulder? I Got it underneath your arm? Drive out demons. All right. So did you leave the house today with my driving out demon authority? There it is. The next thing he tells me to pack now is they're going to speak in new tongues. Woo! Next, verse 18. What else am I packing? They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and drinking anything poisonous. You can't touch me. And what else did he give me? What else comes with me everywhere I go? These hands, when they go on the sick, not to pray, when these hands, look at your hands. Right here, I was staring at my hands last night for a little bit. Whoa. These hands, when I lay them on the sick, what happens? This, lay hands on the sick and heal them. Didn't say ask God to do it. He said, heal them. So what's my my authority? Wherever I go, these hands go, heal them. Okay. Now, again, don't take this out of context. Again, you can preach anything to an extreme and be off. You can't just take these commands and ignore the leading of the Spirit of God. Right? They, they work hand in hand. Because you could take this and say, hey, let's go to Red Deer Hospital today and let's go get everybody out of that hospital. Unless he tells you, you can't do it because you're not the source of healing. You're the filter or the avenue for which healing flows. So what do I have to do? I have to have an open ear to go, okay, Lord. Yeah, okay, you say it, let's go do it. And you have to say, oh, I believe that's the spirit of God doing it, to go lay hands and believe that to take place. That's your and my job. So that's what's accompanying you. Now look at this in Luke chapter 24. This is what Jesus, again, we're talking about what he said before he left the earth, showing you and I that we have authority. He said, now he supernaturally unlocked their understanding to receive the revelation of the scriptures. Isn't that wonderful? That's what he does. The spirit of God in you is unlocking things. You can't buy revelation knowledge, but you can position yourself to receive it. First of all, do you want it? Because if you don't want it, he won't give it to you. You can just be ignorant. That's totally up to you. But if you want it, he'll give it. Verse 46, he then said to them, everything that has happened fulfills what, the, what was prophesied of me. Christ the Messiah was destined to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Verse 47, now what does he say? Now you must go into all the nations and preach repentance and forgiveness of sins so that they will turn to me, start right here in Jerusalem. Now let me just take a quick pause here. I want you just to notice this, that God didn't give the gospel message to angels. He didn't command any of his creation other than mankind to preach the gospel. Because you can think, how come Jesus doesn't come down and just preach the gospel to the whole world? He gave it to you and I. So can you see that heaven's really limited by what we do or don't do? Heaven is filled by people preaching the gospel. That's on us. And I think just because of what's going on in our nation, church, we got to get ready. There is a huge reformation that's taking place, and after reformation comes, there is revival. And what does that mean? People are looking for something, and the church, we've got to get ready to not just talk about it, but to demonstrate who He is. And this is why we're here. We're learning our authority. God's getting us ready this whole time. Verse 48 For He also said, You are my witnesses. And have seen for yourselves all that has transpired. And now verse 49, he says, I will send the fulfillment of the father's promise to you. So stay here in the city until, say with me, until, until the mighty power of heaven falls upon you and wraps around you. So what's he saying? I give you the authority, but don't go yet. You need the power to carry it out. So he said, hold on, don't go anywhere. Just sit tight, sit Sit. Why shouldn't I just be going? Wait till the power comes. And we're going to see about that in a sec. Now, John chapter 20, look at John's gospel. It's a little bit different, but I shared this last week, and I want to just bring it to your attention. Jesus, after he appeared to all them, he simply blew on them and said, (coughs) receive the Holy Spirit. Now, again, if you look that up, there is no other Greek word that talks about receive the Holy Spirit. There's no other Greek word, but you see in the Old Testament, in the Septuagint, in Genesis chapter two, verse seven, it says God breathed into man's nostrils and man became a living soul or a speaking spirit like God. That's the only other time that you see those words. So what did Jesus do? He breathed the breath of God into them again, causing the dead to come back to life. This is what we have right here. So when Jesus blew on them, what happened to the disciples? Christian terms, you would say they got born again. They got renewed on the inside. A breath, a freshness of the spirit came on the inside of them, and that now represented, it showed forth in life. So, this life is for who? When you get born again, who is it for? It's for me. Jesus talks about rivers of living water will flow out of me. What is all of that? That's to benefit and to bless me. My eternal relationship or my eternal life, John 17, 3 says this, is that this is eternal life to know you, the true God, and the one whom you send, his son, Jesus Christ. So eternal life isn't just a state of being, it is a relationship I have with my Almighty God. You and I to this day have the life of God on the inside of us that we can commune with him and build a relationship build a fellowship, build a, a close, intimate relationship with each other. That's for me. Can we see that? How many of you got that? Yeah. Woo! Not only that, that's my ticket. That's my entranceway into experiencing all that he has for me in the future. So that's already happened. So now, again, if you read Luke's gospel, and then you read the book of Acts, again, Luke wrote the gospel of Luke. He was a physician, but he also wrote the book of Acts. So if you read those together, you get a really cool picture of what Jesus told them to wait. Remember, wait. Don't leave the city until you are wrapped up with power from on high to carry out the authority or to carry out what I've called you to do. What did he tell me to do? Lay hands. Speak in other tongues. What else did he tell me to do? Raise the dead. What else did he tell me to do? Drive out demons. He told me to do all of those things, but wait till the power comes. So now look at this. In Acts chapter 1, again, this just reiterates it, verse 6, he says this every time that they were together. Again, talking right after Jesus rose from the dead, it says Jesus appeared to his disciple numerous times, right, and performed many miraculous works. John's gospel says, and he said, if we were to conduct or to write out all the miraculous things that Jesus did, we wouldn't have enough books to even fulfill all that he did. It's just too much. When you read the gospel, some of the historians actually believe it's only a three to five months in Jesus' life. Yeah. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're compiled because some stories are duplicated just from different angles, but you put them all together, and if you look at the time frame, it shows, and Jesus did three years of ministry. This shows about three to five months of his life. Wow. <laughs> Woo! One man, anointed by the Spirit of God, did all of that. And now what does he call this church to do? The same anointing. Now let me just, Now, Jesus showing all these miraculous signs. He's opening up the word of God to them. He's giving them revelation knowledge. See here, this is what Isaiah said. This is what I accomplished. Hey, this is what the book of Joel said. This is what the book of Ezekiel said. This is what they said in Lamentations. This is what Moses prophesied about. It's all me. Oh, man. Could you imagine just the light bulbs going off in that room? You, Passover, that's you. Oh, are you kidding me? The blood of the, that was, that's you. Yeah, that's all about me. Ding, 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 ding. They're just, I bet the disciples are just like, oh, come on, that's what I'm talking about. Getting excited about it. Because when you start connecting these things, you go, ah! So now they keep talking and they keep asking every time they're together. Notice their question, Lord, is it now time for you to free Israel and to restore our kingdom? You're going to kick some Roman booty now. Let's just drive them out. Just go kill them. Verse 7. No. <laughs> he answered. He said, the father is the one who sets the fixed dates and the times of their fulfillment. You are not permitted to know the timing of all that he has prepared by his own authority. You could go, oh, man. But he says, verse 8, and look at this. I promise you this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be seized with power and you will be my messengers in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, the distant provinces, even to the remote places on the earth. And right after that, you see Jesus was carried away by a cloud and they no longer saw him. And I mean, just for fun sake, let me just explain. There's two angels that appeared to them and said, hey, Why are you you looking up into the sky as if he's just gone? He went up to heaven, but the same way you saw him leave is the same way. Now, who's he talking to? He's not talking to the Jewish disciples. He's talking to the born-again church blood-bought, right? So he's talking to the church, which is you and I. The same way you saw him leave is the same way he's going to come back and get you. Coming on the cloud. And that horn is going to go. King Jesus. And sometimes we talk about it with, with my boys. We just talk about it in the car, and we just, we blow a loud trumpet just with our own. And what do we do? We just go, there, Jesus. We're just practicing for when he's there. I encourage you, get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> are you kidding me? This is going to be so fun. The graves are going to open up. Family ones that may have gone home to be with the Lord, guess what? You're going to see Him and go, hey, hey, what? How'd you? talks about a grave's being opened why is king david walking in our sanctuary hey david what all of a sudden he starts stroking his harp up here and, what is going on that's yet to take place i don't know if he's going to come to our church and play the harp but if he did go 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 for it man that's, let's see so some people sound like oh, that's just crazy talk no this is the good news that nobody is actually if you've accepted jesus christ you're not dead your body may be, but you, you're safe and sound with him. I told him to come back and get a new one. Body, I'm talking. And you and I are going to be changed just like that, and we're going to meet him in the air. A body that I can just think, and I'm at the next point. Don't have to drive anywhere in your minivan. <laughs> if the Lord gives me a minivan in heaven, I will be sorely disappointed. <laughs> Any other men just go, uh-huh, and I just, yeah, yeah thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay. <laughs> But I should be thankful. I have a minivan. I'm thankful. It, yeah. That was for Shirley. <laughs> now, all of this is taking place. He says, but the Holy Spirit's going to come. You'll be seized with power. Now, Acts chapter 2, just flip over one page, and you see this. On the day Pentecost was fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly. Say it with me. Suddenly. Suddenly. So again, I want you just to imagine just the disciples for a moment. The, the church now has been given a command to wait. And we know that at this time, there are about 500 disciples in all that Jesus had proclaimed and revealed himself to. They were 500 of those that believed in Jesus Christ. Now, only 120 of them were still there. Where did the others go? They may have ran off and started preaching, but what did he tell them to do? Wait. Loving God doesn't just mean you just, ah, I've got to do whatever I've got to do. No, I'm looking to hear what he tells me and obey. So 120 were still seated and they still stayed in that spot. They did not move. Good Christian. Well done. Is it always easy on the flesh to wait, to hold off? Has it been easy these last two years to wait, to hold on? What do we do? We still stand strong, keep preaching, keep, keep you know, praising the Lord, keep praying in, keep standing in, and the way that the Lord chose to reveal and deliver the earth from this crisis, through a truck convoy, yeah. who would have thought that? Can I tell you, that's the church taking their place. That's the church praying globally, as we talked about. Thank you, Lord. Yes, you don't get to choose how deliverance comes. All you do is you participate and say, God, I'll do my part. Yeah, <laughs> Anywho, coming back on track here now for a moment. This is what is all this power that's here. And now he says, suddenly, the sound. There are so many sounds that we've got to pay attention to. The sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of that heavenly realm. There are some sounds that are yet to come out of the heavenly realm that we got to pay attention to. Things that need to be said, things that need to be revealed. But we got to pay attention. He says, the roar of a wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then verse three, it says, then all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire and it engulfed each one of them. Verse four, they were all filled and equipped. Wait till you be endued with power. Wait till it comes around you and on top of you. I gave you my life. That's for you. Now wait now for the wind to come because that's for others. He says they were filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues. Empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never heard of before. Now you can read the rest of Acts chapter 2 and it's powerful. 3,000 people came into the church that day. They accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Wow. Awesome. What a way to kick off your first meeting. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Now... I want you to see here for a moment. Now that you have been clothed with power, our job is to proclaim the good news, but also to demonstrate that it's true. Now, we emphasize a lot on the proclaiming, and that's good. We got to preach this gospel. But we're also part of the preaching is to demonstrate the finished work is actually finished. Now, this is where you and I have to become not just, oh, I'm convinced I'm going to heaven. You've got to be convinced that you have been clothed with power from on high, that when you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. Amen. Okay. Now, again, a lot of times what we see is a lot, we hear these prayers and they sound again churchy. They sound good. Oh, God, send revival. You don't find that in the New Testament. Oh God, do a new thing in our earth. Do something different. Do something unheard of before. You don't find that in New Testament. Instead, let me show you a New Testament prayer that the disciples pray just to encourage you. There's nothing wrong with those things. And Lord, you're doing a new thing. Yeah, absolutely, sure. But let's not just limit to, God, you're doing something new. No, he wants to do something new through you. You are revival. What do I mean by that? You're the one that's stirred up on the inside. We're just waiting. What are we, when you say, Lord, send revival, what are we saying? God, just throw a bomb in this house and let it just erupt and everybody just start running and going crazy. Do you think that's how it's going to be? All of a sudden all these meetings come and you just get everybody together and, and there's this big gospel bomb that goes off and everybody's just solo and just start going off like that. No, but just think about it. What are you saying, Lord? Send revival. Because what I read in the New Testament, he said, I send you. So wherever I go, what am I? I'm here to be fire and to bring revival everywhere I go. Who is it? Definition of revival. It's the church. It's you. You're revived. What does it mean to be revived? You're alive. Now look at this prayer in Ephesians chapter four, verse 23. Again, we read last week, Acts chapter three, about the lame man being picked up. Peter and John, what did they do going into the temple to pray? What did he tell the the beggar, the, the guy, the cripple? Look at us. The mentality of the church has to be, look at us. Look here, look here. This is what's happening. This is what God's doing. This is what God's saying. Look at us. Don't look at all the media. Don't look at the false prophet all the, talking about all the news media. S- keep here. Look here. This is what God's saying. This is what God's doing. Why? Because in these last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That's what he said. Now, in Acts chapter 4, verse 23, it says this. So this again, now they came after they were threatened. Do not preach in the name of Jesus ever again. They kind of went, are we going to believe God or believe you? We're going to stick with God. So off they went, being threatened one more time. It says they went back to their own company. As soon as they were released from custody, Peter and John now, they went to the other believers and explained all that had happened with the high priest and the elders. Verse 24 says, when the believers heard their report, they raised their voices in unity and they prayed. Now I'm gonna just skip down because right here they talk about, you know, Lord Yahweh, this is what you've done. This is who you are. Verse 29, I want you to see near the end of this prayer, they say this, so now Lord... Verse 29, listen to their threats to harm us. And now what are they praying for? The very thing that got them in trouble, they're asking for more of it. <laughs> Other translations talk about boldness. He says, empower us as your servants to speak the word of God freely and courageously. What is that? Proclaim. Proclaim. We're going to preach it. We're going to speak it freely. We're going to do it courageously. No matter what public opinion is, no matter what Facebook says, no matter if they try to cancel you, we keep preaching truth in love. That's our proclamation. God loves you. This is what he says. And then now he says, verse 30. How are we going to just not only proclaim it? Now stretch out your hand of power. Look at those next two words. Okay, I'm going to read it again. You read those next two words, okay? Stretch out. This is their prayer. Freely and courageously help us preach this word. Stretch out your hand of power. Us. Come on one more time. Stretch out your hand of power. Us. Stretch out your hand of power. Through us. Through us to heal and to move in signs and wonders by the name of your Holy Son, Jesus. Where is the power flowing from and through? The church. It's flowing through the church. So this is the prayer. Lord, send revival. No, Lord, help us to preach this properly. Help us to preach it effectively to the the best of our ability. According to your word, help us to proclaim it. And at the same time, not only do we want to proclaim, we want to demonstrate the power and the victory that you've already accomplished. Through who? Through us. Through you. Through you through the church. So now the New Testament church, they didn't pray God help us to, or help us to preach you," whereby by stretching forth your hand to heal through us. So the reminder in all this is, Lord, he told us to go heal the sick. Who goes? Lord, oh, would you just come and just heal this so-and-so? That is a prayer he can't answer. Why? Because he gave you the authority and the responsibility to do that. Oh, Lord, if you could just, you know, just touch that one person. Lord, I'm just praying. I'm just praying for my lost, you know, my lost friend. And it's good to pray. Don't get me wrong. It's good to pray. But at some point, you and I are going to have to get out of our prayer closet and we're going to have to start demonstrating some things. How are people saved? Are they saved through prayer? No. How are people saved? Through the preaching of the gospel and they believing in it and calling on the name of the Lord. You cannot just leave proclamation out. I'm going to just, I'm going to just pray for so-and-so. You have to, at some point, step out and say, no, Lord, this is what you call me to do. I'm here to preach the gospel to you. I need to tell you about what Jesus has done. Because does prayer bring anybody in? No, it's the hearing. That's Romans chapter 10. If you're like, where's the Bible on that? Romans chapter 10. How will they hear unless somebody has gone? How can they believe in whom they've never heard of before? Right? So that's you and I. We're called to go out and to minister and preach this gospel. The church's power is not in politics. The church's power is in the gospel. So what do we keep proclaiming? We keep proclaiming the gospel. This is what this church is here for. We're not here to proclaim any left side, right side. Whose side are we on? We're on the gospel side. We've got to keep proclaiming and preaching the gospel. Why? It's the only way by which men can be saved is hearing the good news of the gospel. Thank God if they understand and can see our political views. That's great. That's not what we're after. First and foremost, we need the spirit to understand on the inside. Knowledge doesn't just happen out here. You need it from the inside. Ignorance happens if the spirit is dead and you're just operating by the brain. This piece of gray matter up here. So what do we need? We need the spirit to be rejuvenated so that light can come. Now, to close this, I don't have this on the screen, but Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to end with this. So a question that we have to ask ourselves or that you have to ask yourselves is, first of all, have I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? Have I received the breath of God on the inside where I've been reborn on the inside? If that's you, woo, rock on. If you haven't done that yet, today's your day to do that. Don't leave this place without God breathing all over you. You need to be reborn on the inside. It's the only way that you can be saved. There's no other way. The next question we have to ask ourselves is, have you now been filled with the Holy Spirit? Has he now come on you so that you are now equipped and empowered to be a witness for him wherever you go? You may have done that. And then the next question is, are you continuing to be filled with the Spirit? Because that's what God needs. He needs his church that's Spirit-filled. Not just back in 1980. Oh, yeah, I spoke in tongues in 1980. Yeah, but how fresh is it right now? Is it a fresh up-to-date? You know, anytime you get a you know, new phone or every time September come, comes around, you got an Apple phone or whatever, and what do they constantly do? They have to upgrade your phone. You need new software. So how current is your software? Oh, I got it from 1980. That phone don't work. <laughs> And then what happens is if you don't update, what happens to your phone if you don't get the new software? It lags, it just doesn't work anymore. So, how current is your software? Is it current? Are we are we fresh with the Spirit of God today? Have we been filled recently? Because what happens? There's uploads and downloads that need to get into your spirit, and the only way they come is by being filled and filled again. Why is that so important? Because for you and I, the church, people, we're human beings, we got leaks. You're like a strainer making spaghetti. What happens? You get all the water out. Well, the same thing. Well, over time, you come to a meeting and, woo, I'm filled up. I'm ready to go. And on Monday rolls around and uh, Tuesday, uh, Thursday, Wednesday, Friday. uh, And all of a sudden, here you are and just dragging back on Sunday. Okay, I got to get filled again. Don't let that happen. Don't let your tank go to E before you can stay F constantly. Stay filled. Stay filled. In fact, the Bible commands us to be being filled with him. Look at this, Ephesians 5, last verse, verse 18. It says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What's he saying? The same effects that alcohol has, how you're just, oh, I just gotta, you know, I gotta take a load off or I gotta just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a crutch for me to kind of let go of all the problems and all the things that are going on. This just helps me soothe. He said, instead of doing that, Get filled with the Spirit of God. He'll take care of all those things. And yet afterwards, you won't have this guilt trip. You won't feel bad about it. And in fact, he'll actually do some work for you on on the inside. You know, the psalmist said, whenever I was in distress, Lord, what did you do? You enlarged me on the inside. So he says this, don't be drunk with wine, which is rebellion. Instead, be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. How do I get filled with the Spirit? Verse 19 says it like this. um, Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your heart as you go about your day. Sing one of your favorite songs. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. I do that regularly. Bathroom. I love you, Lord. And I live my body. and all of a sudden somebody wants to talk. Hey, what's going on? And as soon as that conversation is done, Lord, I just want to worship you. I thank you so much for who you are. You get right back into it, and what you're doing is you're constantly staying filled with the Spirit of God. <laughs> and what does God need? He needs you and I to pick up on divine cues. Because listen, God doesn't, what, I, what I'm believing for us, you and I, as we continue to do this, continue to give him access, that rather than, I just can't hear his voice. First of all, stop saying that because that's not true. The Bible says that you do hear his voice. So start saying that, I believe that. I know his voice. But I want it to be that when the slightest whisper comes, it sounds like he's speaking through a megaphone. Well, how, how can that be? Stay filled. Stay filled. Come on, say it with me. Stay filled. This, this is our life. This is who we are. I wonder what God's called me to do. Well, you cannot know what God's called you to do apart from being filled. It's impossible. <laughs> this is some good counseling going on right now. Uh-huh. You yeah, understand? That's a question you hear more than anything. Is God? What does God want me to do with my life? Well, first of all, is your mind renewed with the word? And secondly, how filled are you with the spirit of God on the inside? because he wants to talk to you, but it's not that he's not talking. We can't hear. We can't pick up divine cues because we're just so carnal and so natural going, I don't know, how is this supposed to work out? I have no idea. So this morning, let's answer these questions properly. We want to say yes to all of them.